Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about Do I Love You? The Ronettes song. On the week of Valentine's Day. I know. Are the you week, kidding this me? This is the first article I, I randomised, so I didn't. I, I, we, a I convert. didn't have to rely on uh, on uh, Mormonism. Something a interesting. We went, we went to right the right Church of Clark Catholicism. Indeed, yeah. So we've we've got um, a, a song by the Ronettes, who I have actually heard of before. They're quite they're quite famous. Um, okay, well, hit me with it. What what is okay. this song? <clears throat> Do I Love You? It's a song written by Phil Spector. Incidentally, that's a very cool name. Um, mm. He sends, sounds like a friend of Casper. Um, <laughs> um, Pete Andrioli and Vinnie Poncia. Um, it was recorded by the American girl group The Ronettes in 1964 and released on their debut album, Presenting the Fabulous Ronettes. Right. So this was like a, uh, 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 the Supremes, like one of those all yeah. girl uh, American groups from the 50s. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. Big right, hair, matching costumes, you know. Um, yeah. The single peaked at number 34 on the US Billboard Hot 100 on August 1st, 1964, becoming the group's fourth consecutive top 40 hit on the chart and faring slightly better than their previous single, The Best Part of Breaking Up. It also released, uh, also reached number 35 on UK singles charts and stayed on the charts for four weeks. Okay, so a, a moderately popular song. If this yeah. was, If this song was a YouTube channel, it would be my channel. Like Nothing to write home about, but it, it, it did all right. In a description of the piece, Matthew Greenwald of uh, of All Music stated that it is lyrically about preteen romance and devotion, built around another quote here a funky and elegant guitar slash keyboard riff. The song has been covered by bands The Symbols, Jay and the Americans, and Flamin' Groovies. I love the way that you you said that as if you were presenting songs of the sixties or something yeah. on uh, on Radio Two. Thank you. <laughs> I was just looking up the Ronettes on Wikipedia, so mm. um, they have a song in the Grammy Hall of Fame, and they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, be my uh, sorry, Be My Baby is in the Grammy Hall of Fame, and Walking in the Rain won a Grammy Award in nineteen sixty five. Well, it's just trousers. Oh, that's interesting. They were the only girl group to tour with the Beatles. Really. That's quite a fun fact. I didn't, that is interesting, yeah. And they had an album presenting the fabulous Ronettes featuring Victoria, uh, which was ranked at number 422 on uh, the 500 Greatest Albums of All Time by Rolling Stone magazine. Wow. I've got to say, I've don't, I don't think I've ever heard of them. I know Be My Baby, well, uh, which is that one that was on the... Oh, they had a breakup. Well, yeah, I mean, I presume they weren't still running today. But then they came back. They briefly returned in 1972. Ah, they did a Voldemort because mm. they wanted more money, presumably. Oh my! Um, oh, hang on, Ronnie. Oh wait, there's some. There's something going on here. I'm just going to listen to the song whilst you're, yeah, whilst you're researching. Dim, dim, da, dim. Oh, this is so 50s. <clears throat> oh, I know this song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not my thing. <laughs> wow, it's got 10 million views on um, YouTube, though. Oh, that reminds me. There's something we've got to talk about in Critics Corner. Sorry, I've, I've just okay. been reminded. Oh, yes. So what have you found? Is there some conspiracy that you've well, heard? Well, <clears throat> there's a couple of lawsuits that have been flying around against Phil Spector, who produced and wrote a lot of um, the music for, for the group, over unpaid royalties and for unpaid income he made from licensing of their music. Um in oh, okay. 2000, 
Phil Spector was ordered to pay them more than $2.6 million. Spector appealed. Yeah, I mean, as you would. So, okay, so this is so this is like the epitome of... Oh, my of God. Sh- oh, go on. He appealed the ruling. Of course. I'm um, taking the case to the New York State Supreme Court in 2002. In its ruling, the State Court of Appeals said it found the, um, found the Ronettes' plight sympathetic because they had earned less than £15,000 in royalties. What? That's ridiculous. So in the was, end, was this from this one song or from overall? Overall, I think. What? That's ridiculous. The judges had reserved a lower court's ruling that they were entitled to the music industry's standard 50% royalty rate on sales and records, tapes and compact discs. Um, the final outcome had Spectre paying a judgment in excess of $1.5 million back to them. Christ. But even so, like, it just how on... I suppose 50... When was this? What year? 2002. So $15,000 is still not very much money at yeah. all. Good grief, that's ridiculous. The music industry just is determined to screw people over, I swear. Like, people complain about the entertainment business in general, but... They released an album two to... years ago. Oh, really? And in 2017, Ronnie Spector released a new single, Love Power, under the name Ronnie Spector and the Ronettes, making it the first Ronettes single in decades. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a bit of a, a gap. Um mm. I mean, so this is this is the epitome of like sugary nineteen fifties pop production, um, probably sixties actually, isn't it? When it came out, but like this is this is like what we're going to hear on the radio all this week because it is Valentine's Day. It is the epitome of sugary, uh, overly commercialized romanticism, at least in the UK. Um, what are you, are you doing? Anything special for Valentine's Day? Uh, I um, I'm going to dinner. Oh. Yeah, we're going to we're going to the Odd Fellows, which would be quite nice. Although uh, that's that, that was where Pixel Girl and I had our first date. Yeah, it's 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 quite nice. It's also one of the only. I, I was looking like three weeks ago, and everywhere in Exeter has been booked up. So the, the oh, Odd Fellows yeah. was the only place I could think of, other than like just wandering into South Street Standard. But we go there so regularly. Um, so, I mean, so, yes. I did this with, with Pixel Girl because I basically I asked her obliquely about two months ago. Do you mind, like, well, basically, because Valentine's Day this year falls on a Thursday, she's a teacher, so I thought, why don't we do something on Friday, A, to avoid the crowds, and B, it means that we can just, you know, we can have a drink and we don't have to worry about getting up tomorrow. A drink. Um, a drink. I, I hope you wouldn't notice that. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, I, I, so I booked, like, six weeks out, and then last week she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going away on the Friday, so can we can we do something on the Thursday? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, there is nowhere that is open. Like I say, the one that is like has bookings available. You so need to go for the standard. Go to M and S, have ah, a meal at well, home, have a nice meal. Funny at home. you should mention this because we did go to M and S, and their meal selection was shit. It, it really was. Has everything been snaffled? Well, it was, but also just the selection in the first place wasn't great. And so the the M and S meal deal is like if you're not from the UK, this is like a kind of a famous meal deal for valentine's day for cheapskates um is it's 20 pounds and you get uh for two people a starter a main a dessert wine chocolates and a side and like so that's a really good deal but we we discovered by some googling that waitrose do one and it's uh, a starter, a main, two sides, a dessert and wine so for the same price. So it's arguably sort of more food. And mm. the selection is just way better. So we went yesterday and picked some stuff out. Um, and so we're going to have, what was it? I think it's tuna tuna steaks tomorrow. 
Uh, well, that's that's giving a recording this the day before Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> we're, we're recording, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're having tuna steaks and a risotto and some bubbly and yeah. But the thing that's is, me. though, like I I feel like in a way that's exactly the same romance content. If neither of you are bothered by the fact that you're doing it at home and you're not showing off in front of people, neither of us really care about that. I think. Mm. Um, so you get exactly the same romance out of it. You're spending quality time with somebody and, you know, you can uh, sort of just be in more casual clothing and more relaxed environment. And I think in some ways it's better, though I do really... I'm one, Are you one of these people that like spoiling people from time to time? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. Like, yeah. I just like... I don't know. It's, it's nice to know that you're taking care of someone and nice to know that actually you're making things a little bit special for them. Yeah. But It's also like it's a, it's a nice... It's a kind of luxury, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a, but the thing is like the way that uh, as every year people complain, you know, Valentine's Day is just commercialized romance. There are ways I'd argue it's better for your relationship. It is more romantic if you just randomly surprise them with something like that. Like yeah. just say, "Oh, by the way, we're going out to dinner tonight." Put, you know, I'm going to wear something nice. Do you want to wear something nice? We're going to go to a restaurant. I feel like that is more spontaneous, more romantic, more in tune with the point of Valentine's Day. Mm. Um so that's that's why I'm justifying that I'm spending twenty pounds on a meal deal for my girlfriend uh, instead of going out to a restaurant. To be fair, I did try, but circumstances conspired against us. The Valentine's Day is actually quite quite nicely coincides with um, <clears throat> the start of half term for me. So I have um, oh, it, with with the right. with cathedral. So I don't have to sing. I don't have even song on Friday. Now there's a concert instead, and then I still have to sing on Sunday, but that's it. And I'm actually singing Saturday as well because I've got SPS. So really, I'm actually doing more singing despite the fact I shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> but um, after this, after Sunday, I'm, I'm I'm free for a bit, which which I didn't realise. It means that for my actual birthday birthday, because um, hmm. uh, I'm I'm doing like a two a, a two things. There's Hugo and I, the 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 famous Hugo Wickham of this uh, of this podcast. Wickman, yes. Um, we uh, we've made it somewhat of a tradition to do a combined birthday bash thing, and it went down very well last year. So we're doing doing a similar thing this year, which is on this Saturday. Um, so Sunday morning, Eucharist will be hilarious, um, <laughs> and then my actual birthday is on the twenty first of February. Um, where and and how, old, how old are you? You're seventeen. I will be. I'll be seventeen again. <laughs> I'm Zac Efron. No, um, <laughs> I'll be twenty two. God, you're getting old, man. You're going to start finding grey hairs. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, it's just expected. Well, I mean, I'm going to start walking you, with a cane and bloody God knows what. Smoking my pipe think... far more than I do. Wait, what? <laughs> do you think you're going to go bald or do you think you're going to go grey? Like, which do you think is going to be the bigger problem? Well, I don't know. I think, I think in the, 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 my, both my grandpas went. Mm. One went shockingly silver, and one went candy floss white. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so I, I I don't know to be honest. I could. Well, which I mean, would you and, presumably you would rather go grey than go bald? Um, yeah, probably. I'd rather. I mean, I'd rather have hair than not have hair because I'm not losing. Well, I feel like anything, you'd look like you a. I feel like you'd look like a Moria orc. Thank with, you. Just just like without hair. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Happy but like... Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, no, I probably would. You're probably right. Um, well, you know how like, which, some people, James some and people I, have got weird shaped heads, like Nosferatu. You'd look like Nosferatu, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, or the um, just... the John Green lookalike. The John Green lookalike. Yeah, we, we found him on Twitter. Did we? 
He's got a head like a peanut, you know, because his head kind of goes in where his glasses are. Do you remember this? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I remember that. Um, I'm not going to be able to find that to put in the show notes, so people are going to have to use their imagination. Sadly not. Just look up up a picture of John Green and you'll see what I mean. His head is shaped like a peanut. It's quite funny. Um, Yes. Actually, like a a, not a shelled peanut. Peanut with a shell on. No, I don't know. You're going to say something about James. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was just saying on Maury Rock, James and I are rewatching. Rewatching the Hobbit films on Netflix, much to our delight. Oh God, why would you do that to yourself? It's just because it's quite funny. You're like, why? How did it go so wrong? It's such a fall from grace. <laughs> Actually, t- though, th- uh, this isn't even vaguely the right corner for it. But um, I don't suppose you would have seen uh, on. I think it's Wednesday mornings now. Um, the guys in the Oxcast have set themselves a challenge where they are. You know what? You know, f- for the benefit of the readers at home. Foley is a term for sound which is depicted in a movie which isn't recorded on set. That might be because the set is particularly loud. If they were filming outside, you might be able to hear trains and planes and you want to set it in Middle Earth, for example. Other things that rhyme with planes. Yeah, uh, like uh, stains and... Grains. Grains, games and... panes window panes but yeah so if you don't want all of those things which rhyme with planes in the um, in the background then you create all the sound artificially in a studio and then you kind of mix it afterwards and what the guys with the help of a Foley artist yes which is I think one of the most interesting jobs in the world like I would Mm. love to be a Foley artist because you've got to like the classic example I was listening to a podcast it was um, 20,000 Hertz about how they do Oh, is it the Prairie Home Companion, which is this classic American radio show, and they have one guy who does all their foley. And when they the, the um, it's mostly improvised, so it's quite a stressful job. And they said to him before the, all the cast went on, they were like, "Yeah, we think we're going to go to a chiropractor this week." So, like, to do a, a, a um, chiropractor, he got a bottle of plas- a plastic bottle of water that was half full, wrapped a towel around it, and then twisted it. Right. So you get that kind of. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. kind of noise i would i mean i've got a, i've got a can here hang on if i try and do this with a can it's like right i'm just going to adjust your back oh oh sir i'm afraid you're paralyzed um anyway so yeah i think it's a really, really interesting job and the Oxcast have set themselves the challenge of removing all of the music all of the dial all of the dialogue and all the sound effects from the lord of the rings and recreating it all from scratch oh my god that's brilliant so they they on the first stream which is the only one i've watched they went out and when they they were watching the prologue they got like five seconds in but they were like doing things like to simulate orcs being stabbed and elves being laid into by orcs they were like stabbing a watermelon and moving and it's really weird because you 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 scroll through the screen the stream and um you'll just it'll cut to somebody with a knife and a watermelon and everyone very seriously looking at this and then they swish the knife around a bit like and um yeah and but they were also doing the dialogue and the music so they have like at the very the the, the very mind they've got 10 seconds in or something like that to the fellowship of the ring all they've got is like tom hizzle being like the world has changed i can feel it in the water and then you have turps in the background going And uh, it's brilliant. Uh, I cannot wait for them to get, like, do the... Because imagine that. This is going to take years, but at the end of it, they're going to, like, have a screening of, like... I would Gandalf absolutely love to do that. Along. 
I would too. Maybe we should do it. I mean, that's a video we could do on Sponge and Electric. I've also always wanted, you know, there's those two guys who recreate um, shot for shot the Disney, seems from Disney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do it really well. Um, I've always wanted to to give that a go, you know, trying to trying to do something from. So, like, imagine trying to do the, um, I don't know, a, a scene from Lord of the Rings. Um, mm. And it's always like, like super low budget, so it's like card. Like in, they did a uh, like Star Wars frame, uh, scene for scene. And it's like yeah. Luke's X-wing is a cardboard box, and there's like yeah. you know, there's like a, a pieces of paper being whipped past them for the trench walls. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's super ingenious. I love it. What's, no, what do you think is the um, seeing as we always end up talking about movies and we've sort of on the subject of Valentine's Day and this song which is I, I assume there's nothing interesting left about it incidentally um, not really um, it was a seven inch one well f- I, I can empathise yes. um, but then what what do you think is the ideal because we've, we've had this discussion about Christmas before what is the ideal Chris, the ideal Valentine's movie like what what would you say is the most Ooh. romantic movie you could sit down and watch with your partner Ooh. Because um, I'm not really a fan of rom- romances, I've got to say. See, I really like rom-coms, which comes as a massive surprise, surprise to no one. <laughs> yeah. um, Bridget Jones' Diary is very good. I like that. Um, yeah. Notting Hill's very good. Love Actually is superb. But that's more but of that's a Christmas But that's a Christmas film. movie, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what about something like the old absolute classics, like um, Brief Encounter? Casablanca. Or- uh, or or um, uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, Moulin Rouge. Although obviously, again, you know, like, a, kind of a, a, a love dies. film that's kind of tinged with sadness. Because so that's have how you seen it Never, have, you, have you read? I forget the name of the author. Is Jap- Japanese? Um, Never let me go. Oh, is it um, uh, Murakami? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, no, I've never read any of this stuff, and I've been really meaning to. Uh, Never oh, let me hang go. On. Oh no, it's uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. Oh right, there are a few Japanese not like in my head. They are basically all grouped together as like modern fiction, probably quite difficult to read, but undoubtedly excellent. His, uh... um, as an aside, Banana Yoshimoto is excellent. B- his first name is Banana. I think it's her actually. Banana her first name Yoshimoto. is. But let's not dodge the point here. <laughs> yeah, Banana Yoshimoto is a pen name of a Japanese writer, Mahoko Yoshimoto. Um, uh, yeah, she's excellent. She's a really, really good author. She wrote a very cool book called Kitchen. Right. I'm just looking through um, a couple of... Uh, there's like a list of ultimate romantic movies. Do you remember mm. when we went to see Romeo plus Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann uh, one, and oh, it yeah. was me, you, and Pixel Curl? And it was yeah. this bizarre, like, you third wheeling on what wasn't really a date, but kind of was a date? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was strange. That was the outdoor cinema. to yeah, that was when didn't either you or Liv spectacularly spill beer or wine because you were trying to lie down and drink it out of a plastic cup and then Liv said she'd pour it into your mouth and then just poured it all over your face. That sounds precisely like something we would have done. Or, or possibly, because that was where they used to have, like, it's on a massive slope and they had the drinks tents at the top. So you go up and then... Roll down. I, I feel like going uphill with drinks is easy, but going downhill while carrying something is really hard. Also in the dark. And we were getting we were getting to the end of the film and there were shooting stars going on above where we were watching. Yeah. Remember? It would Very it would have been cool. really romantic if you hadn't been there. Uh <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> but the other the other ones on this list are The Princess Bride, which is Oh uh, yeah. Absolute classic. I do love that film. Uh When Harry Met Sally, which is on my Netflix list, but I still haven't seen. I haven't seen that. 
Dirty Dancing, and what I think was probably I'd probably go for as the ultimate um, romantic one would be Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, true, true. Which is a delightful film. Uh, although, oh god, I've just remembered how racist it is. Do you remember the? Um, there's the quote unquote Japanese guy who lives uh, above her. Yeah, and it's like uh, uh, Google a picture of like I think is it what's the is it Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, G- give that a Google and just remind yourself of what his character looks Oh my God. Wait, what's the name? Mickey Rooney, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh my Jesus Christ. I know. Oh boy. Okay, perhaps that isn't one to watch on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that, is, that is. I was just looking really through a list bad. myself. Um, the Notebook, Titanic, yep. Silver Linings oh, Playbook. Oh, not Titanic. Oh my God. Oh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Now, Still not I seen like that. that film. Um, Annie Hall, the Woody Allen classic. Anything Woody Allen though is now just a bit tinged with, like him. I don't think yeah. I'd be able to. It's in the same way as like watching something with Kevin Spacey, and I know you love American Beauty, yeah. but like you, it, you always have that knowledge of like ah, bit of yeah. a horrible person. Yeah. Uh, did you see? Oh my god! So on this list, this this uh, Google list of best romantic movies. Mm. If you scroll along three times, Aladdin 2019 appears, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> Incidentally, I don't know if you've seen the trailer because they've, they've unleashed have. Will Smith. Oh, my. they've unleashed Will Smith, I think is what you mean. Yeah, yeah. They, it's it's um, awful. Like, yeah, it looks a bit looks a bit bad. Somebody, somebody fixed it. And I can't remember who it was. There was somebody on Twitter that basically all you have to do is do kind of what they did with Josh Brolin's face. Um, on Thanos and make his his jaw really wide, like because you it's CG, you can do it very easily, um, and it just looks immediately like oh that's the genie, not yeah. oh that's Will Smith's face on a blue body, yeah, like oh god if you if dear reader if you haven't seen this, um, then do yourself a favor and, and Google Will Smith genie because it is terrible that movie I mean I I hadn't watched the trailer until today, yeah. and then I was just astonished at how bad it, it is like i don't know if this is gonna be one of these cases where the studio goes back and reshoots everything yeah but oh boy that's that's bad feels bad man that's not very nice that's does not very nice well shall we move on as we're both in a bit of a hurry today because i i've actually i've got to record a video i've got to give blood today i'm oft, often doing that which everybody should sign up to giving blood if you're able to and Gosh. i um i'm giving a talk in london at the youtube space because it's educon it's the first day of educon this evening um and i'm meeting a bunch of creators uh and then also yeah i need to edit a video about my thesis so um this is going to be a very busy day so let's let's uh spit spot let's move on and hear what your choral piece of the week is dan please. oh god yeah choral piece of the week right and this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. Right here we go. So the 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 uh, my, I, I'm very conscious that I sound very nasal and blocked because I have a, I have a bit of a cold. Um, you sound no more annoying than normal. No, thanks so much. Anyway, my my choral piece of the week. <laughs> Um, is uh, is by Jesualdo as a surprise. Um, nice. It's going to be his uh, Tenebrae responsories for Holy Saturday because I've recently been listening to them and they forgotten are how brilliant wonderful. they are. Yeah. yeah, if you can go on to either CPDL or IMSLP, um, which are two uh, cheap music databases for 
They're, I think they're pretty, pretty good. Mm. They're excellent. Um, they said that they've got a wealth of uh, wealth of stuff on there, and you can follow along and just have a look at how mind blowing this guy was. He was so ahead of his time. Um, also, very Geraldo. interesting personal life. He um he murdered his wife and her lover in like the heat of the moment. Yeah, if I remember rightly. He also just looks like a f-ing vampire, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, some of those some of those portraits from that period, because this is what mid seventeenth century. Mm. It's uh, um, he was born fifteen sixty six to sixteen thirteen. Okay, so turn, so he turn died. He died after. Shakespeare's second folio. Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah, I never thought, I never put these two together, but actually they would have been, I think... Contemporaneous. Yeah, William Shakespeare was 1564 to 1616, and Jesualdo was 1566 to 1613. Wait, so the same same year? Almost. So he died, Shakespeare died at 52, and Jesualdo died, I can't do maths... If he was born in 1566 and died in 1613, Simon, how old would he be? I wasn't listening, so I can't tell you. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, basically, I think they died basically the same age. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay, so both are way ahead of their time, but they were, but, they um, they were born. Actually... Yeah, they were born and died. They born they were born and died two year, within two years of each other. But Shakespeare was built on and like immediately taken into the fold. Was Jesualdo was definitely a little bit. Yeah. Aside, it was definitely a little treated as a bit different. Okay. Um, I will leave a link to a, a Spotify album. Yes. As I always do for Core Piece of the Week. There is it the Tenebrae album? YouTube. Uh, it will be the Tenebrae album, yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, as I always do for Core Piece of the Week, if you are not aware, I've been putting links to either Spotify or YouTube in the description in the show notes. So do go check it out because that's one of my favorite pieces as well. It's very, yeah. it's really interesting to read it through with the score if you can read music. And even if, if you can't, just sit back and you, you'll know that it's different. You don't yeah, need to understand a lot about you. music. Absolutely. So, Daniel, I have a feast of things that I would like to criticise today because uh, mm-hmm. apparently this corner is now my life. Um, I, I, let me give you an option, right? Okay. You, have, you can choose between three art forms. You can choose between videos, Netflix videos, <laughs> or books. Ooh books so i've read two uh, fantastic books i basically i had um I had a chat with some people at pan mcmillan and they sent me over some science books um to have a read through and review and um i've discovered two new ones which are just going into my favorite non-fictions um which are very famous but i have it's my first time reading them uh they are the immortal life of henrietta Lacks and right. the man who mistook his wife for a hat uh and they are both incredible they are both uh, I'm only halfway through the man who mistook his wife for a hat but I know I'm going to demolish it in a couple of days um, so have you heard of you, presumably you've heard of these before because they are quite famous I think yeah I think their names ring a bell certainly they are actually quite well the man who mistook his wife for a hat was written I think in 1985 so it's actually quite old it's like about the same kind of time as A Brief History of Time right um so that that one is Oliver Sacks, and basically it's a really interesting a- attempt at trying to bring back an old form of talking about medicine, where it's not just 
this physiological process happened which caused this physiological response and so we treated it with this chemical reaction yeah. um it was very much looking at the human aspect of specifically neurological problems um and the titular character is in the first chapter uh, was a music uh, professor, he, he taught at a conservatoire in London, I think, and um, he could see he didn't have his mental faculties diminished really in any way, apart from the fact that his visual sense didn't work. And I don't mean he couldn't see, because he could see absolutely fine, but his idea of constructing a visual image was almost yeah. completely destroyed. So that he did, like Oliver Sacks did the classic neurological sort of nerve test. Uh, we've, we've spoken about this guy before, haven't we? I don't, th- I don't think we have. I think we have. Well, didn't it have something to do with an opera? No, no, I don't think, no, that was, that was someone different. I don't know who that was. Because we've definitely uh, spoken about someone who had this kind of thing, his, 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 his perception, his, his, vis- his vision worked, but his perception of visual, of, of shapes and space. Um, oh, uh, I'm on the sure podcast. we've spoken about this before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, okay. It, readers, if you know what I'm on about, then then email in spongyelectric.gmail.com and tell me that we've done this before. <laughs> or if we've done but something like this. Anyway, BS, go on. But basically, yeah, the interesting thing was that he does he, d- he did this test where he sort of ascertained that his vision works fine. You know, he can see stuff and his nerves all work okay. Right. And then he sort of concluded in the exam and he went, oh, all right, thanks very much, doctor. Looked at his wife and then tried to detach her head and put it on his as a hat. And the t- okay. Oliver Sacks was presumably just stood there like, uh um, huh. Okay, I need to see you at home. Just slowly, uh, he kind of doesn't take his eyes off, but he's like fumbling for the clipboard on his desk. Like, uh, yeah, like, well, where is it? Where is yeah, it? Yeah. But um, and then yeah, basically, he like showed him pictures of National Geographic and said, "What do you, what do you see here?" And it was like a picture of a sand dune. And they were like, "Oh, that's a coastline. There are people here, and there are umbrellas." And he wasn't actually pointing at the page; he was pointing mm. off the page. Mm. Um, and it was this weird. So yeah, wow. and it was and it was basically looking at what. What are the aspects of medicine that go beyond the, the sort of scientific in a way? Like there are definitely there are aspects of what I've read so far where he talks about the spiritual side to somebody, and if you if you like, kind of talking about the soul of somebody, yeah. Um, and yeah, fascinating. Um, highly recommend that. And then also um, the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks is more recent. I think it was two thousand and nine. It was published. Uh, basically, Henrietta Lacks was a lady in America, and she was a black lady from. Ooh, I'm going to have to Google the state because I've actually forgotten where she lived. Um, but and it is relevant because uh, this was taking place in the fifties in America, and so. Um, you know, it was ra- racism was very bad. I mean, racism is bad, obviously, but you know, yeah, it was, it was prominent. Say, Jesus, was. <laughs> racism was particularly prominent then, given that that was when the civil rights movement was in full swing. Yes. Um, and um, you know, she was a, she was a black woman who developed cervical cancer, who went into hospital and had a section of her cancer removed without her consent, um, and then subsequently she died from massive radiation poisoning um, yeah. because they'd lit- the, the treatment for her cervical cancer was to sew um, capsules full of radium just in her uterus. Oh my God! Just and then be bombarded over and over again, and it was the description of her dying was just horrible. Um, but anyway, um, oh, she was born in Virginia. Um, it was sort of the East Coast, and um, basically her cells were put into culture, and it turned out that hers were the first cells which spontaneously just kept dividing over and over and over again, such that her cells are still alive today. There's an estimate that you could fill a swimming pool with all the cells of hers that have grown. Um, And in that sense, she is immortal. But 
this was all done without her consent and without her family's knowledge. Uh, and those cells went on to be massively important in treating disease and used in a whole variety of scientific experiments and genuinely like contributed a great deal to medical science. But um, this was done in such a way, sort of, well, basically completely unethically. And mm. her family then went on to to sort of have severe financial problems. Um, some of them went to, to jail and gradually uncovered this story bit by bit by bit and got, because they didn't get um, a great deal of education being born where they were and when, and when they were, um, yeah. they didn't really understand that, you know, her mum their mum wasn't actually still alive. They weren't actually putting their mother into nuclear bombs, which is one of the tests they did. They didn't actually clone her mother or anything like that. And so the the book is this fascinating look at Henrietta Lacks and her family's story, the science that's done, and then also Rebecca Skloot, who was the author, um, uncovering it, uh, the, the whole story. I think it's one of the most, yeah. the, the best nonfiction books I've ever read. It was so engaging, so human, um, like absolute gold standard for writing nonfiction. So highly, highly recommend it. I just, Ooh, I'm just cool. gushing about it to everybody who I can. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely incredible. Oh, well, wow. that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, what have you been, I, before, before I hit you with, there are two more brief recommendations of things that I've been enjoying. What, what have you been, have you been enjoying anything recently? Um, I've been, I've been consuming a great deal more R.S. Thomas, um, the... Oh, the Welsh poet, poet, yes. Yeah, who I'm, a, I'm really kind of head over heels for. I think he's excellent. Um, As is one of our uh, readers who has sent us yet more leader. I don't know if you saw this, but we have more leader. Oh, brilliant. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I, I got really, really excited that. when I saw that. <laughs> Um, what else have I done? Oh, I watched Mamma Mia 2. Now, what did you think? It was, it was all right. It wasn't as good as the first one, in my opinion. I think as sequels go, they had a lot to try and, you know, build up to in terms of just how brilliant the first film was, because I really, really liked the first Mamma Mia. Um, mm. Again, shock horror. Um, <laughs> it was okay. You know, I think they, 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 approached the sequel in a really interesting way from it in terms of a storytelling kind of um perspective it was it, it yeah. was fine i kind of watched it and was like yeah all right that's that's it i'm done um angel eyes features quite heavily which is a very 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 good abba song i, I think it's probably my favorite um, is abba one of your favorite popular artists do you do you think popular artists i mean not classical music is what i'm trying to say oh i see um I like no. I wouldn't say they're my favourite. I like I like Abba, but I'm not like head over heels for them. But they they have a couple of songs. Where I'm like this. It's just really. It's just a really good song. Um, yeah, Angel Eyes is on there quite a lot. Julie Walters is a legend. Um, it was it was fine. I would give it like three and a half stars out of five. Ah, I mean that's that's that seems fair enough. I mean, yeah. I think my parent, my mum watched it on the plane. They came back from holiday and she was like, ah, basically the same review as you. She was like, that ah, was fine. Yeah. I mean, as a premise, it seemed quite interesting. Yeah. But I've, I've seen the first one, but. It was very cool. As I say, because they, 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 they flip between time, which is quite cool. Um, so yeah. every character in that, you know, in the first one has like a young double. Um, yeah. Which is very cool. And then they all come together at the end. It's very cool. So the other thing when... So I, I'm going to deliver you... I'm going to hit you with one, which I know you're going to like if you haven't right. watched already. And uh, One which is totally out of left field. <laughs> I can't... Oh, boy. Anyway, the one that you're going to like is um, a Netflix series. I don't think we've talked about it. 
Sorry. Sorry, that was a chemical spill in Dan's house. You keep going, mate. It's all right. Sorry, I'm very, I'm, I'm very flebby. Just call me Alec. Call me Alexander. We must, we must drain some of your. We must get the leeches. We must put your humours back in balance. Um, so right, I don't think we talked about it on the show before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there's a Netflix series called Ugly Delicious. I've heard about this. You'd love it. it. You'd absolutely love it. It's like a a very modern take on a cooking show where each episode is... I think we might have talked about this before, actually. I can't... But, but so very briefly, um, in the same style as like Chef's Table and um, sort of... I love Chef's eat. Table. Holy shit. Um, this is looking at one chef... Um, Dave, oh, it is David Chan, isn't it? I've just got to... Yeah, David Chan. Yeah. Um, who um, goes around the world and looks at a particular type of cuisine. And the one, the last one, which we watched last night, was pasta, uh, uh, like stuffed pasta from Italy versus stuffed Asian pasta. Um, and it's just a really refreshing new way of doing a cooking show. Uh, and he is, he's an amazing personality. And... Um, yeah, uh, I I really really liked it. I feel like you will too. So that's why that's why I thought yeah. I'd bring it up. Cool, thank um, you. Um, and- I, just speaking of Netflix, I um oh my god, my ears have just popped and everything is deafening. What? <laughs> I just I spe- I've got one headphone like in as well, so I can hear kind of my head resonating more than I would you know when you put your finger in your ear to like listen yeah, to yeah. the notes that you sing or something. Um, everything sounds a little comically loud. Um. There is there was a there's a new Valentine's special of Big Mouth for season three. Oh um, god! It's, an, it's a two parter. I watched the I watched part one. I've converted James, my housemate. Um, <laughs> he absolutely loves it. I I showed him a couple of clips of the Shame Wizard. Um, it's just bloody good. I think it's hilarious. I think it's very very well written. Um, super. So you should watch that. I mean it's. It's just not for me. From what I've seen of it, it's just the antithesis of of what I find enjoyable. Oh, it's just <laughs> great. I think it's hilarious. Uh, different different strokes for different folks, which yeah. may be about to be exemplified uh, by my neck. My final recommendation of this quarter, which is: Have you heard, Daniel? <laughs> have you heard of the Marble Olympics? The, no. What? Hang no. on. Let me. Here we go. This is. Uh, <laughs> Get ready to have your fucking mind blown. This is a, uh, and it will be in the show notes, a um, a YouTube channel uh, dedicated to what if the Olympics were done by marbles? Oh no! What? And I've just sent you the link to the 2019 qualifiers. So oh, I've for seen the benefit- these on Facebook. They're great. They're so, but this is like the best production quality. So for the benefit of the readers at home, there are a variety of teams, you know, countries participating in the Marble Olympics. So there's the, the Limers. I'm a Limer, just for the for record. The Rojo Rollers, the Balls of Chaos, uh, the Primary Colors. And um, they compete in different events, like a race going down a hill, or a, a group event, like a relay, or uh, a team event, like um, you all have to try and push a block as far as possible. Um mm. And, and also underwater races there are swimming events uh, and um, it is produced shot and commentated exactly as if it were the Olympics and there are stands full of marbles uh, at one point in the video I sent you the 2019 qualifiers there is a riot and the primary colours fans are expelled from the stadium for throwing debris onto the track um, it is delightful I watched it yesterday 
immediately when uh, Pixel Girl got home, I put it on for her and she was like, I'm not going to watch 16 minutes of this. By the end of it, she was shouting for the Balls of Chaos to come over the line. Totally converted. It is the most harmless, gentle fun and I can't recommend it enough. I'm getting really quite passionate about f***ing marbles, Dan. Okay. It's got very, very good production quality. At one point, you can see a screen above the stands, which is showing like a, a, a scoreboard of the points and then cuts to like a view of the camera. That So you can see as if it was like a state. I love it. I love it, Dan. I can't. Please, people, if you are a fan of the Marble Olympics, please email in, especially if you're a limer. I'm a, a member of the Lima Nation. Hashtag Lime Time. I love it. I just love it so much. It's a sport I can finally get behind. It's bizarre, isn't it? You sound like a non-believer, Dan. Wow, this is this is something else. It, it's it really is, right? <laughs> Are you now hooked in? You can't tear your eyes away. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm gonna have to come back to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's saved to the alone time later. Right? Should we do a Patreon corner? Yeah. Just give me two seconds. That's a weird sound coming from either the kitchen or the boiler. I just want to make sure it's not going to explode. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. Okay, yeah, it's all fine. It was actually my laptop fans, but my hearing has just got fucked. <laughs> Your sense of spatial perception is just completely wrong. It's completely gone. I tried to sing Evensong on um, Monday, or maybe, yeah, Monday, um, and my ears were really, really blocked. I was in, I was in really cracking voice because Gordon kept look, turning to me after every single piece we sang, being like, oh, yeah. If you're, if you're doing well, lad. Like I was just like, apparently I was just laser beaming out everything because I had no idea how loud I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and if Gordon says like, well done, yeah, you know Gordon kept looking at me, being like, oh god. I was like, sorry, my I, I, I can't really hear. Am I being too loud? He's like, no, no, it's fine. Just, just maybe don't be any louder. <laughs> and apparently, like some of the chorus scholars came up to me half time, and like as we did, we, we sing the first verse of Psalm, um, both can and deck, and then they go to deck, and then they go to can, and then it, <laughs> it was just me like beaming it's like the rest the rest of the side is singing in quite nice harmony sensitively and i'm like rah, 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 rah. <laughs> you, dan came bounding over yeah yeah it was um, <laughs> quite, quite funny um sorry that, that's my idea right. of what tenors sound like yeah basically top lad and it's that time again well, we, uh, we, we find ourselves in Patreon Corner. This is the section of the podcast about midway through where we'd like to say a massive thank you uh, to our Patreon supporters. You can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash, forward slash the Wikicast. You're doing it again. You're changing your... You're meant to be northern. You're meant to have those like really short vowels. Like uh, you're ranting. Rant. Yeah, I mean, I've always said rant. Your response to that was so funny when I was editing that episode. I was like, you don't... It's not ranting, and you just literally, you were so indignant. You were like, yeah. cough. <laughs> just like, it was really, like, heartfelt. It was, it was emotional. But yes, um, patreon.com forward slash. Forward slash. Uh, the Wikicast. Um, um, it's a yeah. We'd like to say a massive thank you to our patrons, especially our top lads. Um, they keep this podcast alive. They allow us to pay for our hosting, um, pay for our donation to the Wikimedia Foundation, and a multitude of other things. Something that you might actually be hearing about in a couple of weeks' time, which is very exciting. But we're going to keep it under wraps mm. for now. Um, um, there has actually been before we read out the names of the top lads. There has been a suggestion, which I think we both quite like, to scrap the top lads and instead have two. 
uh, tiers because the top lads currently donate five dollars a month to the to the cause um and there has been a suggestion that we instead have top cat and top dog tiers because we we haven't mm. been commenting on the to- the team cat and team dog uh contest because it's just been no contest apparently dogs are better which is just wrong um but i imagine that most of the top lads are actually cat supporters so it would be it would be nice if we could mm. um perhaps split it that way and you know we could have two top tiers and then it, it reintroduces some interest and it means that you dear top lads are not rescinding your vote for the best household pets uh, but do so let us know that you can let us know on the discord and you can let us know uh via email at sponge uh, but Indeed. i think i think we're both in favor of changing it aren't we i think so i think it'll be uh it'll, be a, it'll get a bit of get a bit of competition back you know give the yes. cats a chance as we all know dogs are better but well yeah. i think that the, the thing is that the cat fans are the ones who are currently actually supporting the podcast because they're, you know, useful people. Uh, okay. and, All right, well, and, we'll see. And speaking of which, I would like to thank the very useful Ben McMurtry, Bendant, and Bryce D. Wilkins. I'd like to thank Choc- Chococat, Colm Mansfield, and Dan Hanvey. Davy Shram Vontabel, Eric Davis, Henry Brewster. Isabel Ostrovsky, Jay Wright, John Mannion. Jonathan Trimble, Geordie Eschendahl, Kyle Much. Lachlan Woods, Lewis Watson, and Maggie. Marat Verkira Poniewat. Matt McGuire, Oliver Bughart, Omar Miranda, Fee Gascoigne, and Rory Healy. And the incredibly useful, all these people are useful. I didn't prefix them all. I don't know why I'm mentioning it now, but they are particularly useful. Simon Torseth, Tapio Kirkinen, and Whitney Fairies. Marvellous. Thank you ever so much. You keep us afloat. Uh, now, pass me that bucket, down. I need to start bailing us out. Okay. Please. Hurry. Hurry. There's a king leak in the boat. Give me the... And now we find ourselves in Crisis Corner. We haven't Ooh, done a back. Crisis for a while uh, because we were just letting a few emails come in. Uh, and this one is actually particularly relevant, Dan, uh, because uh, of what we talked about in the last episode about us accruing fans of a particular disposition. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what I mean. Well, let me just scan this to make sure that we don't have any uh, deaths. Yep. Okay, yep, there's no deaths yet. Uh, as, as we learned last time, possibly we should be reading these emails before, <laughs> before yes. we read them out on the podcast. Anyway, this is an email from a reader, uh, which we have anonymized. Uh, so this is coming from Anonymous. Uh, if you have a crisis that you are currently suffering through, uh, do send us an email at spongeelectricalgmail.com with crisis corner in the uh, subject line, and we will anonymize everything that's sent that way, and uh, we will read it out and give our opinions on it. So, Dan, I would like to read you a crisis and i'd like to get your opinion on it okay from anonymous dear the readership of the wikicast and i guess messrs clark and more who are reading this out my crisis is a strange combination of extreme circumstances and everyday problems so although i do not expect you all to be able to help with the broad issue i'm certain that you'll be able to help with the crux of the issue first the background I was born with a genetic defect that, in short, has accelerated the degradation of my bones. Being somewhat essential for life, and rather unreplaceable, I've always distracted myself from the imminent spectre of death by throwing myself at as many long-term tasks as possible to give myself something to keep going for. The only problem is, recently a complication has emerged that's e- and that's eaten into my prospected lifetime even more. I'm now having a bit of a... German word... To- oh boy... Uh, panic. I think I'd, I'd not heard that word before. Hang on, I'm just going to Google that because I, I really like that word. Good word. Um, it's a combination yeah, of three German words and apparently translates right. as gate shut panic. 
in reference to the panic medieval peasants might have experienced as they rushed to make it back inside the city gates before they closed at nightfall. Great word. Torschluss panic or something like that. You see, yeah, I've kept so many at, projects yeah, with larger scopes see. that none of them are close to completions and I now fear I will finish none of them. Therein lies the crisis I present to you all. Should I drop some of these projects in order to improve the chances of finishing at least one of these life works before the end, or should I keep them all going and just hope for the best? I've loved all these works and it will certainly be hard to drop any of them, but the idea of failing to finish any of these is also somewhat saddening. Thank you for your input. Anon, anoni noni 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 mus. Uh, 298 plus 100 plus or minus 136 plus or minus 10 months Oosh. per month expected at time of reading <laughs> wow that's uh that's 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 an impressive, impressive number of uh, money, 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 I, I like you are clearly a, a, an anonymous of science given that you're putting error bars on your age um i like that a lot okay dan so given a shorter life expectancy and, and given the possibility of not completing any of these big projects, what do you mm. think Anonymous should do? That's a really tough one, isn't it? Because I can understand the, the, the worry of not wanting to drop any of the things that you're doing because you care about them a lot, but then also, also knowing that if you don't, the likelihood of finishing any, finishing any of them is, is, is decreased. Um, I think if it were me... I would look at all the things that I've got on my plate and try and assign them some form of hierarchical um, priority. So so look at what, what you think might be the most important. That might be something that you would be the most proud of, or it might also be the, something that's just mo- most emotionally important to you. Whichever, you, however you decide to order those things, um, formulate a list and see if you might, might be easier Um by prioritizing them, you might realize, well, actually, no, I'd, under under whatever circumstance, I know I'd much rather get close to finishing this thing than this other thing. And that other thing then maybe I, I would be, argue, um, deprioritized. I would argue that you can actually um, do that entirely. and have the best of both um, worlds. Because I think it sounds like you know, got- Anonymous has said that they really love all these projects and they want to see them all completed, of course. So why not say, make that list of priorities and take the top, say you've got five projects, take the top three and you're going to do those. But then tell yourself, well, when these are done, I'm going to move on to the next two. So I feel like, you know, you can, in a way, extend um, the use that you're getting out of the projects as motivation. You can extend that by just saying, well, yeah, I'm I'm going to not lay them end to end, but I'm just going to do them, you know, uh, sequentially, um, such that you do get to see some of them being finished, but then say to yourself, well, yeah, I'm only going to do these first Mm. and then I'm going to move on to the next ones. So I feel like that would be a, a powerful way of maintaining positivity not that either of us really have any experience of as anonymous says you know we don't really know what it feels like to have that kind of closing gate panic of um i'm not going to get this i'm not going to be able to do this before i die um but i don't know do you think that's a reasonable thing to say dan that you could you could sort of say i'm going to do this then those things absolutely i think i think we both we both clearly agree that that formulating some kind of list of priorities is going to help um it's then up to you whether through formulating that list you realize that something may actually it might be more realistic to drop or maybe your interest in that given thing has decreased and if if not dropped then just set aside and put in a drawer for a for a rainy sunday afternoon yeah but I, I definitely feel like um, you're not saying you should. You shouldn't say to yourself, "I'm just not going to do that. I, I'm not going to accomplish that in the time." Yeah. In a way, it's like a stretch goal. 
you're saying to yourself, well, I'm going to do this. And then my stretch goal after that is to do this next yeah. project. Um, not in the anticipation that you will complete it, but with the hope that you will complete it. Yeah, absolutely. And then if if you finish that, then it's like, well, you know, there's another project which I'd really like to do. Let's let's start laying the foundations of that midway through the second project. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel like in a way you should do you should do both. You should you should get the best of both worlds by trimming down and then saying putting some of them in reserve and saying, well, I'm going to get to the reserves as soon as I finish these projects. Um, but that's only our opinion. I would I would love for the readership to get in touch about mm. this. So you can email us as well, spongelitchkajimo.com, uh, and you know with response to Crisis Corner, and we'll anonymize responses as well, so you can be as brutal as you like. Um, maybe don't be brutal because you know anonymous hasn't hasn't got a very long left to live apparently yeah, so that's so, so what that means readers is that you need to email in really quickly yeah oh god <laughs> no no that's not what we're, saying. For next what we're week. saying is yeah i'm sure anonymous would support anonymous, us you... in this uh, in this endeavor anonymous can you last until next week please <laughs> because we'd like to get some responses no but 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 we will anonymize everything that is sent in response to the crisis so you can give your opinion perhaps you find yourself in a similar situation perhaps we have several readers who find themselves with um limited expected length of life and limited quality of life um i would love I, I think you are the people who are actually better qualified to answer this question so yes. thank you very much anonymous for emailing in we will do another crisis next week but hopefully we'll also read out some responses to this particular um time dependent crisis indeed And it's the end of the podcast, so that means we've got correspondence to uh, to round us off. We've got an email here from uh, Suhail Mall. Uh, it's entitled Code, and the the email reads thus: My bloody code is not working. Not even my rubber ducky can save me. Damn it! Please help. Thank you. Sincerely, Suhail Mall. <laughs> oh wow. Um... I mean, if, well, so you have, your well, rubber ducking isn't helping you. Rubber ducking, Dan, for the, if, you, if you're confused by that term, is where you keep an object on your desk, yeah. typically a rubber duck, and you explain line by line what your code is doing. So you'd be like, right, so, duck, uh, this line is reading in this parameter. Yeah. That line is multiplying it by uh, the value of pi, which is stored here. And then the next line, it's saving to the... Oh, I've saved it to the wrong... Yeah. I've saved it to the wrong bloody file. So the idea is that you're, you make obvious by attempting to teach something... Um, you know w- what your code is doing. It's a very useful technique. Mm. Uh, apparently, it's failed to hail. Um, I would recommend googling Sahail, given that about ninety percent of my PhD's coding time was spent googling how to fix problems. Um, it will be very rare that you will have a problem that nobody has ever had before in the history of programming. Um, although sometimes you do get that. Sometimes you'll have like this, someone will have the exact problem that you've had and they'll be on a message board from four years ago and nobody replied. Yeah. And you'll be like, tell me your secrets. What happened to you? Pussy Destroyer 5? How did you solve the problem? I've just made up a username. I don't know why I picked that one. Yeah, made um, up. Don't know why. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's oh, that's my cover blown online. Um, but yeah, Google it, man. Google it. Like, that is how I solved almost every single problem. And if that didn't work, I had people in my office who I asked, which might not work for you. You might not be working in an office. But if rubber ducking doesn't work, then take a step back, Google, and then work out the hierarchy of where the problem is being introduced. Is it the, your function you're using? Is it the library you're using? Um debug it properly do some googling that's that's my advice what's your advice for how to fix your code dan i mean god i have no idea i don't i don't do code um 
I think I like the idea of the of the the rubber ducky. That sounds um that sounds really. I mean, I'm so, I'm sad it's not working. I currently have we have quite an outstanding collection of rubber ducks in our house, which comes at no surprise. Why does this not surprise um, me? Given that you're like Flanders and Swan, we have a we have a Roman centurion edition. style duck. We have a Julius Caesar duck, and we have a William Shakespeare duck. Um, and they're all marvellous. I'm trying to find a Judas uh. duck to pop just slightly behind <laughs> Julius Caesar. <laughs> um, is it going to have like a little bag with silver in it? Yeah, yeah. Inside? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, Suhan, I'm very sorry that it's not working. I think Simon's provided some pretty good advice. I Google, Googled within an inch of your life. Hopefully. Um, let, you've got to let us know if you can get it working though. Yeah, this was two weeks ago, so hopefully, I really hope you fixed the issue. Yes. Next up, we have an email from Jaden Bucher. Bucher? I'm not quite sure. I, I presume Bucher. Um, Boucher. At any rate, ha- Boucher. Boucher. Hello. I'm going to read it in a French accent because apparently, why not? Um, hello, my name is Jaden. I'm a third year at UC Santa Cruz studying math and econ, but I also love physics. And I'm also in the choir here. Oh, oh fantastic. Um, Thank you so much. Why do I sound like Fleur Delacour? I don't know. Um, oh, so you saved him. He wasn't even yours to save. Even though he was not yours to save. <laughs> you do have a great Fleur impression. It's also when um, you have the the other great French that Stephen Fry does in the audiobook there um, is when you meet Madame Delacour, um, uh, not Delacour, Madame... Maxime. Oh, Maxime. And she meet, yeah. and she she kind of walks in, and in her like unctuous voice, she's like, "Ah, Professor Dungledore," and it's it's really very good. <laughs> Agreed. Are you saying I am part giantess? <laughs> I have never been so insulted in my life. I have big bones. <laughs> I'll give her big bones. <laughs> oh, Hagrid! No, Hagrid, no, stop, Hagrid! Put the gun down. Dry up, Dursley, you great boom! <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns turns it back down and shoots himself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry Potter YouTube poop. Oh, How I've missed so you. So good. So good. Thank you for sharing uh, uh, Mr. Charles Darwin. I cannot stop listening to it. It is incredible. We are doing a lot of crunchy, weird music this quarter, and I just wanted to share some I think you guys would like. I love the podcast and I'm on Team Chat. Team, team uh, Le Chat. <laughs> Very nice. Team Snapchat and Team Snap Chien. Um, anyway, be- best Jaden, uh, who doesn't, almost certainly doesn't sound anything like that. I'm sorry, Jaden. Anyway, the music that they've sent, uh, some crackers here. Um, Meredith Monk's Earth Seen From Above, mm-hmm. which is uh, minimalist. Um, I've, I've tried to get into Meredith Monk. Um, because it's quite. But you didn't ask permission because first. Because the stuff I didn't know. Finger guns. Get guns permission first. Mm. Um, uh, because but you know, there's a lot of stuff to do with space, which is obviously interesting to me, and female composer, which is interesting in itself. And you kind of think, well, you know, let's give this a go. I, I want to like this. Um, Earth scene from above. I find a little bit too Philip Glass in that it's a bit too simple structure repeated over and over again yeah. but there is another um piece here the astronaut anthem which is new to me i'll have to yeah, listen to that um i'll include links to all of these because uh Jayden has included links to the spotify's wonderfully oh. um so Thanks, these will Jayden. go in the show notes 
along with Eric Whitaker's Nox Arunque, the uh, lesser-known counterpart to Lux Arunque, mm. um, and Arvo Pert's Magnificat, which is one of my favourite choral pieces. Yeah. Um, his, I don't actually think they were published together. I'm pretty sure they were published. His Mag and Nunk were published like separately. Mm. Um, but as a pair of canticles, I love them. I, I love Ervo Pert. He's one of my favourite composers. A bloody cracky pair of canticles, they are. <laughs> Oh, cracky pericle. Great big tracks of canticles. <laughs> Look at the canticles on that. What? <laughs> the canticles? <laughs> no! <laughs> the castle! <laughs> Sorry, Marvelous. that's a Monty Python reference for those of you who don't. I just got <laughs> that character going, What? The canticles? <laughs> <laughs> How lovely. What has this podcast become? There's some great music there, Jaden. Um, we've not actually... I don't think... No, we've done the Arvo Pert... Mag- no, we di- We never did the Magnificat, actually. I've listened to three of those a great deal. Um, I, I, the astronaut anthem's new to me, but I don't think we've ever performed any of those. No, we've done the Pert Nunk, haven't we? Oh, yeah, a couple of times, which is... Oh, mwah, that's a mwah, chef kiss. Um, yeah, because I think the thing is... From the sounds of things, if you're in the university UC Santa Cruz choir, yeah. that implies that it's a concert choir. So you actually get to do music. Um, in a way, you get to do more interesting music because you don't have to worry about fitting into the liturgy. Apparently they Whereas, are called the University Concert Choir. I'm on their website. I'm on their, okay. their uni Whereas website. If you're in a chapel choir or a cathedral choir, you know that you're going to be doing mags and nunks and masses and psalms and then an anthem. And the anthem is one of the only bits, or an introit, is one of the only bits that in a way you have complete artistic expression with, mm. within reason. So you will have done a greater range of music, whereas we basically, you went broad, uh, whereas we went tall. We went, we went like, we, we probably know, I, I dare say that English choral singers probably know canticles and mass settings better than any other kind of type of singer in the world because we just do them, you do them every day, like a different setting every day. Um Whereas, you know, if you're in a concert band, you will get a chance to do arguably more interesting music. Um, I'd love to join a concert choir. I, I do really need to get on getting back into singing because I do miss it terribly. And I feel like I'm losing my voice. Like, I feel like I'm losing the musicality of it. Whenever I try and sing stuff, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, that's just not quite as good as it was. And I feel like it's just lack of practice, which is quite sad, but fixable. Well, they, have another, they have a chamber singer as well. What does that mean? Well, the, the chamber singers... The University Chamber Singers, an advanced choir conducted by some dude, specialises in presenting works for small ensembles from a variety of historical periods. Oh, so it's, it's a chamber choir? Yeah. Okay. John Wilby, Alessandro Stradella, lots of cantatas. Cool. Fun. That sounds fun. That's That would be challenging. Mm. That would be a good group to be part of. Uh, and we've got a final email here from William Humphreys. Dear Messrs. Clark and more, I have the next few poems for you, and at last some conflict and interest is introduced. In other news, I'd read a few poems by R.S. Thomas, and they were quite interesting. I enjoyed his writings greatly. Thanks for the suggestion. I thud... Uh, I thought... I thud? That's not even a word, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would note that the fractional representation of my age was a continued fraction, uh, the logical extreme yes. of a mixed fraction. Yeah, I don't know why I said an expansion before. I definitely meant a continued fraction, um, yeah. which is a rich history of continued fractions. They're weird things. Right, here you go. <clears throat> the Beautiful Weatherman poems, four to six. Gratitude for the book. Should I, put some, should I put some music under these? What kind of music would be appropriate? Or do you not put music under, under performance? I think poetry? if you can find 
Um, find some like ambient wind. Okay, I could do that. That won't be copyrighted. That'll be yeah, good. But, but like, so imagine, like, imagine basically, imagine I'm like, I'm Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights. Yeah, right. I'm on, I'm up on a moor. Done. <laughs> I'm on a moor. Get it? It's because it's my name. Um, I'm on a moor, <laughs> and uh, and I'm I've, I'm wearing like a, a frock coat. I'm in kind of like period, um, period costume, and uh, mm-hmm. period costume sounds like a name, doesn't it? Hello, period costume. Ah, Mr. Costume. No, please, call me period. Um, Period. (laughs) So what, are you wandering the moors with a book open? Yeah. And you're just like reciting poetry to yourself with the wind whistling past you. tugging at my locks. (laughs) For some reason I'm in chains. (laughs) Why I? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I might just put a coat on, actually. This breeze is really picking up. (laughs) There you go. Right. Gratitude to the book. Was this destined for me, my rustling friend, your singing and crinkling? Was this destined for me, to this weatherman here? That's what you meant, right? Did I understand, to this weatherman here? Did he send it to me? That sound so enchanting. I'd like to know, did he send it to me? No matter what happens, now I have enough. What I sought, I have found, no matter what happens. I will seek after work in this quiet place here. For my hands, for my heart, I will seek after work. Five. After work. If I had a thousand hands to type, I could write everything that I needed to write. I could blow the all... I could... (laughs) Sorry. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Just to... I'm making that that fool's error of not reading ahead. Right, here we go. I'm going to go again. After work. If I had a thousand hands to type, I could write everything that I needed to write. I could blow the all assignments. I could copy all these note. Then the weatherman could sense my desire. Alas, how weary are my fingers. What would I read, though? What would I type? What words could I yet sing forth? Any other could do just as well. I sit among all the others in a quiet moment, and the librarian says to us all, the library soon is shutting. And the sweet weatherman said, good night, everyone. Six, the questioner. I ask not the flowers. I ask not the stars. None of them could tell me what I'd like to know so much. I am not a gardener. The stars are too far off. I'll ask the little books if my heart has deceived me. Oh, little book of my love, why are you so silent today? I only want to know one thing, one word, one way or the other. Yes is one of those words. The other is no. The two words together my entire world make up. O little book of my love, why have you become so estranged? If you won't say anything else, please book, does he love me? There we go. So wait, I'm rubbish at poetry, so you, am I, are you falling in love with the weatherman? Are you? That's the thing. Are you? Yeah. I don't know. I think... Oh man, I'm not. No, I asked you. I'm gonna. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I understand. I understand. I understand the question you're asking. I don't know whether. I don't know whether it's. I don't know whether it can be that simple. Um, I really like this. This feels like next level. This is tier two um, fan fiction now. I, where can we go from here? Is someone going to have to direct like a, a a skit or send in audio, an audio drama? 
Like where where can the where can the community go from here? <laughs> I mean, well, and this is the bit we've got to ask, dear dear readers, where do we go from here? These are really lovely poems. I'm a I mean, I I f-ing love poetry. It's really I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I think it's really really good. Thank you so much, uh, William Humphreys. These are, I I love these. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of poetry. I don't really understand what's going on, but I know that I like it. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time to write these. Well, Dan, what did we learn today? Well, Simon, today we learned about Do I Love You, the Ronette song. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, it's like a circle. We've come right back to where we started. Do I Love You, and it, the poem ended with Does He Love Me? Gosh, look at that. It's a sight. Good God. That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all on Valentine's Brilliant. Day. Oh, God, this is weird. So we, we we talked a little bit about the... um. What was the name of the group? I'm going to be keeping on rising in pitch until I get to Santiago. Please stop me before I get there. I can't remember the name of the group. The Ronettes. Uh, the Ronettes. Santiago. Um. <laughs> oh, damn it. We nearly, we nearly stopped it. <laughs> we talked about them. We talked about Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day movies. Um, the excellent Waitrose Meal Deal. Highly recommended, but now too late when this podcast comes out. Uh, you, I ended up ranting about... Thank um, you. Thank you. There we go. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, I like getting things wrong sometimes. About books I've been reading and Ugly Delicious on Netflix and the Marble Olympics, yes. which is everybody, you're welcome. We spoke you're about, so welcome. Please, um, Mamma Mia. Please email him. Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. Yep. Or here I go again. Here, here we all go again. Something like that. And crisis corner went again also we did have the uh, opinions please on um uh, opinions please on uh, top cat and top dog oh, uh, yes. tears on the patreon yes. uh we had the crisis corner and we had some excellent correspondence i thought it was a very solid th- these have been two solid episodes week after week Dan. So. We, we managed to do two in a yes. row i think also incredible stuff as uh, given that we ended it last week with one i'd like to do another um i'm going to i'd like to read another rs thomas poem it's a brief one um but right. I think it's got okay. it, it should it should round the episode off nicely. So we have here uh, the poem is called "An Old Man," which is quite fitting given that is the uh, <laughs> the collective noun for for folk of Exeter Cathedral and Exeter University Chapel Choir. <clears throat> anyway, here we go. This is "An Old Man" by Ronald Stuart Thomas. Looking upon this tree with its quaint pretension of holding the earth, a leveret in its claws, or marking the texture of its living bark, a grey sea wrinkled by the winds of years, I understand whence this man's body comes, in veins and fibres, the bare boughs of bone, the trellised thicket, where the heart, that robin, greets with a song the seasons of the blood. But where in meadow or mountain shall I match the individual accent of the speech, that is, the ears familiar. To what sun attribute the honeyed warmness of his smile, to which of the deciduous brood is German, the angel peeping from the latticed eye? There you go. An old man. Old man Dan. Yeah. Thank you. That's all right. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. 
potential code solutions, your own Torschlung panics and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and we'll we'll see see you next time. time.